Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast, episode number 25. Can you believe it, Jeff? We made it a quarter of a century. And it only took. Uh, I can weeks. believe it. <laughs> well, you know what? I just don't. We we're not still talking about football, are we? Like football's for Neanderthals, and it's such a waste of people's time. Like, you know what I mean? Who watches this stuff anymore? I'm just, I'm over it. Yeah, I can honestly say after the past weekend, uh, it's a stupid game, and uh, yeah, I'm no longer interested. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm jacked up. 25 episodes in, obviously, is pretty amazing. We didn't, you know, when we started doing this, who knows? I mean, 25 is not a huge milestone, but it's pretty awesome for us, I think. And uh, um, yeah, with football on this weekend, six games, six playoff games, it was pretty amazing. Five of them were great. The sixth one, just an absolute heartbreaker. And I don't know when you want to talk about the Steeler game, but what the Falcon Falk happened, man? It was. <sighs> I don't feel. I, I listened to last week's episode right here, and um, or today, not right here. Sorry, I listened to today's or last week's episode today, and I said when we previewed the Steelers Browns game, I said I hope this game gets out of hand early so I can relax. Those are my exact were, words. And were you holy relaxed? jumping catfish. Not at all. Old man. <laughs> oh man, I know. And you know what's funny? Like, well, funny, not funny, I guess. Um, like Tim messaged us both and asked how we were feeling, and I think all I said was, I think all I said was, I'm not worried about the Browns. I'm worried about the Steelers beating themselves. And uh, you know, turned out I was right to be worried i guess because about 12 seconds into the game we had made a terrible mistake and we're down seven nothing and followed that up with a few more terrible mistakes and let the cleveland browns set the all-time record for what points in a first quarter all-time record for points of a visiting team in the first half and uh they won their first road playoff game since the 1960s so yay well, I mean, let's get into it. Like, what 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 disappointed you most? It was for me. Yeah, yeah, the twenty eight nothing lead was a disaster, obviously. But I I honestly didn't feel like it was over until uh, we scored our touchdown, and then the Browns marched right down the field and they scored a touchdown to get thirty five points uh, before the half. And then I messaged you, I believe, and I said uh, that was that can't happen. Like we just had a little momentum, and uh, it was gone by then. And they just you know it was kudos to the Browns, but. The DRD was we couldn't get stops like we usually do when we need them. Yeah, no, for sure. They the Browns came ready to play, and you know I I don't want to take anything away from the things that they did. You know when you cause five turnovers and give up zero, you're probably going to be in good shape. And they took advantage of those turnovers and turned them into points. Um, and then like you like you mentioned, as the Steelers kind of gathered themselves, you know, we've seen them do it a couple weeks ago against Indianapolis. It was the same story. They got down big and, and pulled themselves together and came back for a big win. Uh, but as the Steelers kind of started pulling themselves together, Baker didn't panic. The, the Browns defense didn't panic. They just, you know, stuck to the plan and, and went down and scored points and got stops and, and turnovers when they needed them. And, uh, yeah, ultimately we fell short, and I think um, either Sunday night or or uh, yesterday, 
Coach Tomlin was talking to the media, and he he compared the Steelers to uh, fruit that died on the vine, right? Got ripe, got perfect on the vine, yeah. and then was left there and, and withered away. So that's disappointing, and especially going into an off season where we've got, what is it, 17 free agents, something like that, like major pieces at, at, almost, every, uh, at almost every level of the team, and uh, they've got a lot of choices to make and see if we can – you know, get the gang back together for one more run, or if they say this is it. Well, and the big choice is Big Ben's got a forty-one million dollar cap hit if he comes back next year. If he retires, it's still twenty-two million. Uh, I mean, we talked about it all year. I think once Bud Dupree went down, our defense was no longer elite, and that was the difference, right? Our offense just couldn't make up for what the D was giving up now. And and I want to say something too about Juju because he took a lot of heat about his comments before the game and how apparently it was locker room material for the Browns. But I mean, to put the blame on him and that, that is kind of silly. Those comments weren't the reason the first snap was aired over big Ben's head. Those comments weren't the reason we had two potential pick sixes go right through DB's hands. It just, it seemed like the breaks went the Browns way and they didn't go our way. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was some questionable decisions though. That fourth and one late in the fourth quarter, we decided to punt it and then they marched down the field and scored. It was, that was a surprising decision, but uh, you know, I love coach Tomlin and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to second guess him too much, but it was pretty sad seeing number seven in, in tears on the, on the bench at the end of the game. We know Ben loves the drama and he kind of eats it up, but it was still sad to see it. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And him and Pouncey sitting together and uh, you know, telling each other, you're the reason why I came back this year and you're the reason and I wanted to do this for you and uh yeah it was tough to watch man it was to be honest it was uh kind of reminiscent of near the end of Jerome Bettis's career um when you know he was uncertain what what his role was going to be and whether he'd be back and uh you know things worked out pretty good when he came back for one more season and uh got to take home a Super Bowl in his hometown so Fingers crossed that maybe maybe this is the locker room material for the Steelers next year. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I went through a, kind of a whole wave of emotions throughout that game. Like, by halftime, I was ready to fire everybody. And then, you know, 25 minutes after the game, I was like, no, I'll bring the band back for one more run. Like, our D wasn't where it was supposed to be. And we need, just need a run game. Like, really, there's a lot of question marks and decisions to make, like, to be made, like you said. But, uh yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason for Pittsburgh and a lot of the teams. We'll kind of cover that later in the episode when we talk about uh, what now for the teams that were bounced this weekend. Absolutely. Um, there was a game on this weekend that uh, was slightly more fun than watching, you know, my favorite team get uh, slobber knockered. Or, did I use that properly? <laughs> you did. Well, kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. From Jim Ross, by the way. I said Gorilla Monsoon <laughs> last episode. It's a, that was a Jim Rossism. So. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah. Um, but uh, did you uh, did you catch any of the Nickelodeon coverage of the Saints Bears game? So Nickel, if you weren't aware, maybe this weekend Nickelodeon in the states uh, got the rights this year for the playoffs uh, for the first time ever to cover football games, and they you know they promised it would be zany and promised it would be unlike anything uh, that you'd ever seen before, and. Um, yeah, did you have a chance to check any of that coverage out on the weekend? 
I didn't actually. So our family went for like a skate on a Sunday afternoon, and it was the first half of the Bears Saints game. And when I got home, I basically you know pulled out the phone and went on Twitter. And the first, I didn't know they were doing it. And the first coverage I saw was a uh, Alan Kamara, I think, or maybe Michael Thomas, one of the Saints touchdowns. And then the end zone was covered in slime. And I oh, thought yeah. that was real life. <laughs> I was just watching a video. And I was like, what is happening? And then I kind of read the caption and realized. But, yeah, a neat way to do that. And what a smart way to market to a younger audience. Like, kudos to the NFL. Yeah, well, I was watching uh, I was watching a bit of the first half. And, and uh, someone in one of my group chats brought up that this was the Nickelodeon game. I had actually forgotten about that. And so I found a feed. And uh, went on to check it out kind of just in time for the, for the halftime highlights. So it was really cool. The halftime highlights that they aired, they uh, digitized everything into like video game graphics, like, old, like almost like Minecraft, like really blocky and had, you know, tech mobile music playing in the background. So they showed the real highlights of the first half, but in a, you know, kid-friendly way. I think they previewed a couple of like kids shows and then i i ended up watching most of the second half on that feed and uh you're absolutely right it was such a cool way to market it it was such a cool way to connect with younger viewers because what they were doing as they went through was they were explaining rules they were explaining decisions they were explaining situations they were circling uh players and outlining why you should watch them this play and why they may be uh they had the kid who plays young sheldon on tv pop up every so often to explain when there was a when there was a penalty um when the ref made a call to explain and then uh yeah the slime zone uh or the goo zone or whatever they were calling it in the end zone that was it was neat you know it, it wasn't uh i don't know if i would rush out to watch the next one by myself but if I, you know, if I had a kid that was seven or eight and kind of on the fence, it's a good way for them to watch and actually be able to, you know, enjoy the entertainment of the game and at the same time learn about it. And it's kind of nice for dad, too, to be able to sit or mom or whoever to sit and watch. And, uh, you know, all those 10 million questions that you usually have to answer are, are answered right in the broadcast. Well, it's funny because on social media there was you know some super sarcastic tweets like oh yeah Nickelodeon try explaining to your child what a catch it in the NFL is because I guess there was some you know questionable calls and and then somebody else was like well let's let's see you explain who why the Saints use Taysom Hill to your child but um, <laughs> no it was cool and and the NFL did this early in the year too with the Muppets and I think it was a Monday Night Football game where they had the Muppets introduce it and they, my son was all over it when they were doing the introduction so it's. Uh, it's an interesting way to market to a younger audience, and I think I will see some of the other major sports kind of follow suit here because it's it's caught people's attention. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Uh, I know. I saw a couple of funny things just quickly before we move on here. Um, I saw a short little clip where the the caption was, and that was the last game Nickelodeon ever hosted because it was the referee making a decision and uh, Corderell Patterson standing there listening to it. And then oh, yeah. very, very audibly, uh, let's just say he didn't quite agree with uh, what the Falk the ref was saying. So, uh, yeah, probably some questions on, on that one that the broadcast didn't answer. And then uh, the other one I saw, because this week Nickelodeon's doing it again, but um, I think it's for the Saints-Bucks game. And uh, so, you know, we'll talk about it, but with the two 
two of the oldest quarterbacks to face off. They, uh, it said Nickelodeon has sold the rights to the History Channel to see Tom Brady and Drew Brees go head to head. I saw that actually, and they're all <laughs> like, Brady played that up. But I want to go the Nickelodeon thing one more time because there was like an online vote, I guess, throughout the game, and there was an MVP. Um, mm-hmm. Nickelodeon valuable player, I guess, and Mitch Trubisky won it, and it turned into just you know the butt of every joke as well. <laughs> like this guy, yeah, you the Saints sure the Chiefs got Mahomes and the Texans got Watson, but the Bears got the MVP. So it's uh, first ever, yeah, first yeah, ever with that anyways. Yeah, well, the... <laughs> non viable oh, player. Oh boy. What All right, honor. what do you say we? But, uh, uh, what do you say we jump over and uh, talk about some fantasy news? I've just been handed an urgent. And horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Let's do it. Starting with, uh, you know, this you know, this, this was your guy, right? This was your guy up until the, the season ended here and you made a big move, but... Uh, not at a good start to the offseason for the Raiders or Josh Jacobs, who was reported to have been charged with a DUI last week. Um, fail, being charged also with failure to exercise due care. There had been talk of league punishment. So, you know, see how this plays out. Obviously, it's not going to affect the playoffs this year at all, but it's something to monitor going forward. And in the next season, the NFL could make a decision and he could miss some time. So, you know, you got to drop him in your rankings accordingly if he's going to miss, you know, two to four games or whatever the case may be, but not a good start to the uh, the season for the Raiders or the offseason for the Raiders there. Um, and we talked about this last week as well in the last episode. We thought maybe Doug Peterson was trying to get fired in Philly, and uh, we don't know if he was or not, but it happened. Um, reports are saying that he was just sick of being told what to do, which I don't know if he's ever had a job ever, but that's kind of what happens when you are employed. Um <laughs> Yeah, so he's out in Philly in another coaching vacancy. You know, that one's really intriguing because you got the the quarterback drama. You got Hurts, who's a young emerging, you know, looks like a, a, a an emerging quarterback. And uh, you got a lot of question marks, though, as well. So uh, there could be internally, I heard some rumors, Deuce Staley, I think he's their running back coach right now, is uh, an internal candidate. But uh, we'll see what happens there in Philadelphia. And uh, former Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn actually got a new job already. He's going to be the Cowboys defensive coordinator. Uh, you wrote yuck in the notes. I don't mind this one, actually. I think, um, you know, his defensive – he came from Seattle as defensive coordinator, if I remember correct, and it was the Legion of Boom years. So, sure, they were talented, but, uh, you know, if he can find some of that magic for Dallas, they, they can't be much worse than they were last year. So, uh, we'll see how Dan Quinn fares in, in, on America's team. Well, and, uh, yeah, these Deshaun Watson – Sorry, yeah. uh, I was just going to say, the only thing with that, you're absolutely right, and that's kind of where he made a name for himself is with the Legion of Boom in Seattle – but he came in and kind of took over that defense for the, you know, the real peak of their performance. Um, and yeah, he, you know, he designed the systems and that, but you look at the players that were already there and you look at the systems they already had in place and the success they'd already had as a defensive unit. Then he came to Atlanta and, uh, you know, I wouldn't exactly say that the Falcons defense has lived up to the expectations, um, starting with, you know, everybody teases Matt Ryan and, and the coaching staff, but when your team's got a 28-3 to lead in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, usually the defense needs to step up a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm as, as calm on that one as you. 
Well, I don't know if I'm hot on it. I just think it can't get much worse than it was in Dallas. And you know what? I mean, I've seen it a lot, quite a few times where coordinators go to head coaching jobs and then back to a coordinator gig. And, it's, you know, they put all their focus into that one role instead of wearing all those hats. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he could be back in the head coach conversation in a couple of years if he turns that Dallas D around. So it's a good opportunity for him because, like I said, they can't get much worse. Um and these Deshaun Watson rumors, man, they're, they're not going away. And now there's talk that he would waive his no-trade clause to go to Miami. Sounds like it would take a package of two and picks. I don't know what a package would look like. Like, we talked about it last episode again. We talked about two, how he really hasn't blown us away, even though Miami's named him the starter next year. You know, he's still a first-round pick, still first-round pedigree. And and I think, you know, the talent, you got to give him an opportunity. But if you're the Texans, you got to get some insurance on that as well. So I don't know if they'd want their third overall pick back and – additional first and i don't know it'd be, it'd be a huge package but if you're the dolphins i don't know how you you really don't do it to be honest because watson is that type of talent yeah pretty much it might you know that that's the thought that came to my mind first is what about Tua and the third overall and then whatever from there um and that may be something that they go for but for the dolphins if you do think if you think that Tua has, and maybe, you know, coming off injury and coming in midway through his rookie season, he has more than he showed, having that number three overall pick, like, that's going to be another great, great player. And that's, well, basically the decision they have to make. If they believe in if they believe in Tua, and obviously this is all just rumor mill stuff, right? This was supposedly leaked from the Watson yeah. camp. But uh, if if they think they've got a quarterback that's going to, you know, supply their team, then this is your chance to add, you know, a, a star wide receiver or a, well, whatever, right? At the third overall pick, you're going to get a good player basically anywhere on the field. Um, but if you don't, and this is a real thing, then absolutely, like a guy like a guy like Deshaun Watson comes up once in a once in a lifetime, right? And uh, that could be the you know, maybe you make do with some some lesser players around him in certain spots, but you've got a guy you can build your franchise around uh, who's looking to get out of his current situation. Yeah, I mean, with that great D in Miami too, they'd be a contender right away. Like it'd be interesting. I mean, I don't know if you saw last night Devonta Smith, like the receiver for Alabama. Holy jumping catfish! And like this guy's going to be a top three to five pick for sure. So that's probably. You know what you're thinking is Tua plus the sh- Devonta Smith for Watson and whatever else. So it's you know there's the other top tel- tier caliber or top caliber talent and NFL drafts. It's it is above the rest of the first round picks. So it's that third overall is very very valuable as well. It's and yeah I can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah absolutely no it's uh, I'm I'm almost I almost want to say I'm excited for the playoffs to be over because we have so much juicy off season material to just sit here and speculate about with no consequences but uh you know i still want to watch it (laughs) oh no wait i forgot the seals are out i don't want to watch it whoops um (laughs) all right little more news here uh this one's interesting we don't we don't talk about o-linemen uh too often in the news segment or really in any segment on our show but uh this is a pretty this is a pretty cool story so offensive tackle uh jason valdeer i guess He's got the chance to do something that's never been done before and will probably never be done again. He's got the chance to play for two different teams in the same NFL playoffs. So he's a guy who's kind of been up and down. He actually retired at one point last year and then came back and played a couple games for the Packers and then retired again and then came back 
and was brought into Indy and, uh, you know, not much time with the team, but he did start. Uh, he did play in their wild card round game. And obviously uh, we're about to talk about it, but Indianapolis lost and was eliminated. And so they, you know, they shuffled his name back down to the practice squad and he was picked up by the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, they lost in, in week 17, they lost uh, David Bakhtiari, their star O-lineman. And, uh, and wanted a guy who was familiar with their system and showed himself to still be in game shape. So I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is for COVID protocol, but uh, he was brought into the Packers practice squad and has a chance to, uh, you know, even though his team lost, to, to join a real contender and keep going. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's cool, you know. It's something something interesting, something for the uh, you know ten years from now. I'm sure there'll be a trivia question or something like that that'll really be valuable to your life. And uh, this <laughs> next one, you know, there's a lot of hate out there uh, for the Patriots. There's a lot of hate out there for Bill Belichick, and that usually comes anytime there's been a team or a franchise that's dominated a sport the way that they have for the last two decades, um, and also for a coach who's been, uh, you know, mired in, in several scandals throughout the league. But, uh, you know, this one might win old Bill some fans. So I guess Belichick was, uh, he was notified that he was going to be awarded the Presidential Medal of Honor. This is something that um, Donald Trump is doing in the last days of his presidency down in the States. Um, and the Patriots obviously being out not in the playoffs this year. Um, he was given the opportunity to come to the reception at the White House to meet with the president to receive the award. Uh, but following the events of last week, uh, the storming of the Capitol and all the you know preceding and following events, um, and specifically uh, he mentioned following President Trump's continued refusal to condemn those events and those involved, uh, Belichick declined. He said uh, he was not interested in receiving the award. Um, he thanked the committee for their selection, but uh, politely declined the opportunity. So, you know, that's interesting. I know there was a lot of talk in the early days of, uh, you know, owner Robert Kraft was a big Trump guy, and even Tom Brady was quoted as, as being a Trump guy. Um, and Belichick himself, I think, said personally he knows Donald Trump and is is uh, supportive of him but not really politically but uh, yeah so you know something to talk about well you know what? I'm not I don't want to get into it too much to be honest with you I'm not super political but it just shows the state of the country when like the highest honor you are rejecting it so it's it's pretty sad state of affairs down there and hopefully it gets cleaned up and I don't I even like I don't know. Yeah, let's not get into that. But yeah, yeah. Well, Hat tip to Bill Belichick, I guess. It is crazy though, too, because there's been championship teams, right? That's uh, you know, if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, you you saw him with the Alabama national champion uh, football team go and meet President Kennedy, and uh, and uh, there's been professional sports teams and professional sports players who have declined their White House invitation. Now, that may be due to the fact that I remember in his first year, uh, the menu that was set out was a bunch of, like, McDoubles and Big Macs, like, for real. Not the usual uh, prime rib and whatever, but anyways, this isn't fantasy politics, for heaven's sakes. We've got uh, we've got our loyal <laughs> listener, got our loyal listener, uh, you know, champion of my other league, commissioner of my other league, Tyler. 
Tyler had a stressful weekend, I gotta tell you, Jeff. After uh, after all the games on Saturday, we had a bit of a conference call with the league, trying to set out the rules and set out the course for our for our league for the next few years, and that turned into just like a three-hour gong show of every possible detail. <laughs> you know, if Tyler wasn't a drinker before that call, I'm sure he became one after it. But uh, he still found time in his busy schedule to check in with us after our poor Steelers went down. And uh, he had a couple good questions for us. So what do you say we check in with Tyler here? Hey, guys. This is more of just a health and wellness check-in at this point. Um, Sorry about your loss in the weekend. It wasn't pretty. Um, I got to ask, is there someone else in the league who's gone from fan favorite to villain faster than Juju Smith-Schuster. I used to like this guy, and now I can't stand him. I want nothing to do with him. I just uh, It's shocking, really. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, fantasy question. I'm still doing the um, daily fantasy footballs on the weekend. Uh, I could use some Rudy picks, some guys that you think uh, be low, low cost, high value. Um, have a good week, guys. Thank you. I like it. Oh, boy. All right. Well, thanks for the... Thanks for the check-in. You know, if anybody understands disappointment, it's a Detroit Lions fan. So we appreciate the we appreciate the kind words. Um, so yeah, a couple of couple of interesting things here. Um, what do you think about the first one? Is there anyone in the NFL that you can think of um, that's kind of gone from a hero to basically a villain the way that Juju has this season? Um, well, not in the same kind of, like, Michael Vick was, Ooh. he was the king of the world. And then, yeah, I mean, it went so fast. So, but I mean, that was a totally different circumstance. That's off field stuff. As far as Juju and what the reason, like why he turned in, I don't even think he's a villain. You know what I mean? I hope this actually be- leads to a discount and he actually comes back to Pittsburgh because pe- pe- people think he's a headache because I love him as a player and, uh, you know, he's whatever he's a 23 year old kid in 2021 and this is the world we're living in here so I I, I don't hate it too much um, maybe the timing of it but uh, yeah I mean I, I don't know other than like yeah you've listed a few guys here who are great choices for sure like a B man that one this the whole episode just gonna make me cry if we keep talking about <laughs> all the, how the Steelers break hearts <laughs> how about you though I mean like that's a great question and and it's just yeah, with Juju, it's – I don't know. It's just – I don't know. The timing is just awful. I don't know what to say about it, really. Yeah, the timing is awful, but, you know, there's been just dumb stuff. Like, he's almost just like a bumbling – he's like the Apple Dumpling Gang. Like, he's a bumbling villain. He's, uh, you know, not a <laughs> not a real evil guy, but he just seems like he's doing the wrong thing all the time lately. You know, the dancing on the logos – uh, wasn't it him who who uh, live streamed Coach Tomlinson's locker room talk after a game a couple years ago? Was that him or was that Brown? Was that that sounds like something he would do for sure. I don't know. Yeah, if it was, I, but I yeah, thought not, it was in his second season. They had a big win, and he pulled out his phone and secretly filmed his coach and streamed it out over the whole internet and. Uh, you know, and then these words like he kind of retracted and said, "That's not what I'm talking about." And uh, I will say this too, part of the reason why I think a lot of, uh, 
you know fans and a lot of fantasy players are turning on him is uh, his lack of performance. Right, he went from this breakout rookie sensation, breakout stud when he was the number two guy, the outside guy, and as soon as he became the number one, um, you know, I had high hopes. I think I drafted him in just about every league that year, and uh, he was like a total dud. You know, I traded him early where I could, and I think there was one league where I actually just dropped him at one point because I just couldn't bear to not put him in my lineup, and I thought, well, maybe this is a bit of a trap for one of my opponents. They'll pick him up based on name. But, you know, now I don't know if you saw yesterday Chase Claypool on TikTok, and he's, he's you know, trash-talking the Browns. Like, is that just a youth culture thing, or is that he's learning bad behavior from Juju, like, well, yeah, I don't know. And you would think that Tomlin in the organization would be like, guys, come on, like, just watch what you say. Just, just stick to the boring. Yeah, we're on to Cleveland next week and yeah, we respect them as a friend, whatever it is. Right. But yeah, I know the one like Claypool afterwards is just, oh, they just whipped you. They yeah. just whipped you, man. That was yeah. embarrassing. The probably most embarrassing football game you've ever been part of. And you like, yeah, anyways. But yeah, I uh, I came up with a couple of names off the top of my head uh, after I listened to that voicemail. Uh, so one, like you mentioned, the tough one for Steelers fans was Antonio Brown. Um, I almost put Lev Bell on that list, and his was literally just that one decision to sit out uh, due to contract dispute. Um, but the other ones were, uh, you know, Terrell Owens um, in San Francisco. They thought they had the, the same kind of one-two punch that the Vikings had with Randy Moss and, uh, and uh, oh, my God, I can't even think of the name. Chris, Cart- Chris uh, you know, I'm talking about the Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and T.O. just couldn't get along with Jeff Garcia and demanded out and bounced from team to team and, you know, ended up in ended up in uh, purgatory a little bit. And uh, the other one being Johnny Manziel, who was such a, you know, such a college hero and came in with such big expectations. And Cleveland thought, oh, my gosh, we've got this, you know, this superstar and just, you know, kind of made a disgrace of himself. You know, he's a bit of a Dwayne Haskins times a million. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I hope you're right. I hope that uh, I hope that this drives down the price a little bit because I'm not going to say no to having a talented guy on our team. But uh, but maybe he needs to grow up a little bit too. I don't know. Yeah, and that's what it is. I think as well. Yeah, but uh, Tyler's also got another question, and this is probably the one he's he's uh, chomping at the bit to hear about. Uh, he's looking to make a little money, and he wants he wants a couple of Rudy picks for his uh, DFS, his daily fantasy sport lineups this weekend. So uh, I actually came up with with two for him here. Uh, one of them isn't isn't a huge discount, but uh, it's Kareem Hunt. He's he's going for two thousand dollars less than Nick Chubb on DraftKings, and he just put up a two touchdown performance, and you know looked dynamic we've talked about it all season where the browns basically have you know 1a and 1a.2 in the running back position um and uh if you can get him for you know two-thirds of the price of the other guy in that backfield you never know what's going to happen but uh he's shown time and again that he can he can get in the end zone he can put up big yardage he can catch the ball out of the backfield so i think that's a good deal 
And uh, the other one, I know you were a little, you were a little ticked. I kind of swiped him from under you, but uh, Gabriel Davis <laughs> with the Bills, he's half the price of Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, he he came up with some big possession receptions for them last weekend in their win, and uh, he's put up big yardage already this season. He's he's gotten in the end zone a few times this season, and if he can, uh, I think if he can get a touchdown for you, he's gonna have a big day. Yeah, I like him, and it seems like Allen trusts him in big moments and looks his way when plays break down, so I like that pick a lot. And just thinking about it now, Kareem Hunt could have been the answer to his first question on the voicemail as well. Like I was hero to villain pretty quick as well. Um, for my guys, I, I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if Michael Thomas is actually a Rudy, but um, he's, I feel like he's a steal, man. You look at Devontae Adams, he's at like $8,700 for this week, and Michael Thomas is – the same caliber talent he seems to be healthy he's $6,700 this week so I think that's a value buy uh, we know Drew Brees trusts him when he's healthy and that game could be a shootout with uh, Tampa Bay so I think that Michael Thomas is a solid play and if you're looking for someone cheaper I think uh, Rashad Higgins very similar to Gabriel Davis it seems like his quarterback trusts him Baker continues to look at Higgins when uh, Landry's not open and it seems to be his number two option in the passing game if he's not dumping it off to a running back so uh, this game, you know, if they want to hang with the Chiefs, they gotta they gotta sling it, and I think Higgins could could have a big day, and, and potentially even in garbage time if that's the case. But I think uh, he'll put up some numbers. Yeah, absolutely. and another bonus yeah. one I just think of. I was just looking at the list right now. Sorry, yeah, Gus Edwards. He's about forty two hundred dollars. I think uh, you know the Bills showed they don't have the best run D. Jonathan Taylor put up some good numbers here last week, and uh, that's what the Ravens do. So I think he could fall into the end zone if you're if you're looking for a cheap running back. Man, the Gus bust, that's a guy that we are going to have to have some serious conversation about uh, this offseason when we're talking about, you know, those those running backs that are going into their second year and the potential downside, I guess, of Dobbins sharing the backfield with Gus Edwards. Um, you know, he was, a, I think he was a multi-time Rudy. He was definitely a multi-time Rudy for my lineup, and he didn't really disappoint at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to give him his due, but... Uh, you know what? We're not talking about Gus Edwards right now. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about what happened this weekend. Yeah, man. So we're gonna kind of little segment we're gonna do called "What Now." We're gonna cover you know the teams that lost this weekend and what their their futures hold. So well, by now, I'm sure everybody knows the Bills beat the Colts twenty-seven to twenty-four. And uh, as far as the Colts' future, man, like I don't know if Phil Rivers is gonna be back under center. I don't know. You know, I had a debate, not to get too far off topic here. I had a debate with another guy on social media, and he thinks Phil Rivers, if he retired today, would be a Hall of Famer. Um, what's your thoughts on that? That's a tough one. There, There's a lot of quarterbacks that that it question is. comes up at the end of their career. And, you know, he's played for he's played for a long time. He's had good numbers. He's had very productive years. You think of some of the guys that he played with in, uh, you know, in San Diego – when the Chargers were there, um, you know, Vincent Jackson, Antonio Gates, those kinds of guys. The other, 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 uh, one of the other Mike Williams a long time ago, I think, made a brief stop there. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that he's in the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Really, Really Good. Um, I think this year was a big one for him. You know, he's first year with a new team in a new place, but surrounded by good weapons, good offensive line, showed he still had it, and uh, a good defense. And I think he was hoping to make an improbable run 
for the Super Bowl and and put that on his resume because that honestly that might have been the tipping point. But another first yep. round exit, I don't know. I personally, uh, I would kind of lean towards probably not. He's in the he's in the Hall of Great, but maybe not the Hall of Fame. I, I agree 100%. I got the guy that I uh, was going back and forth with, he said it's a no-brainer, look at the numbers. And for me, I think, you know, a lot a lot of people are going to have these numbers when it's all said and done. It's the new NFL, right? Like when Dan Marino and, and Favre were playing, teams were throwing it like they are now. And we're going to see all these new names on these leaderboards. And for me, it comes down to hardware. He doesn't have any team hardware. He doesn't have any individual hardware. He's just been a really solid quarterback for 17, 18 years now. And, you know, if he's not winning Super Bowls, you know, there's got to be a stretch where you think this guy's the best for me to be considered him a Hall of Fame. Like, he's got to be the best quarterback in the league. And I never felt like that with Phil Rivers. And, you know, people say, well, you know, it's not his fault that Peyton was playing and Brady and Big Ben. And, you know, they always represented the AFC. But, you know, they're going to the Hall of Fame because they won those games. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you, you look at the era, how many quarterbacks will go in. I just think he's too far down the list of the quarterbacks from this era to to make it to the the hall. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's done or not or, or what the case may be, but um, he had a great career. I don't want to take anything away from him. I just don't think it's hall worthy. Yeah, absolutely. One, uh, but, yeah, continuing on with the Colts. Oh, I was just going to say one funny Sorry, thing, you know, kind of in a retrospective. You think back to, you know, it could have been Eli Manning going to San Diego and then he refused and then there was the trade. Uh, but just off the top of your head, do you remember the the washed-up, injury-prone quarterback that the, the Chargers decided they didn't need anymore when they brought Phil Rivers in? Yeah, it was uh, Drew Brees, Drew wasn't it? Drew friggin' Brees, who's playing this weekend, round yeah. two, baby, divisional round. So, uh yeah, good one, Chargers. You did it. Well, Anyways, so sorry. one more thing in the the Rivers of Hall. I got like, would you rather Eli Manning's career or Phil Rivers' career, where oh, Phil has man. all the individual? <laughs> man, it's funny you say that because I was actually tempted when you were when you were saying he didn't have the hardware. I was tempted to say Eli Manning has two Super Bowls, and I don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, whose career would you choose if you had to pick right now? Well, I'd rather have two Super Bowl wins if I was, like, choosing yeah. to be one of those franchises or one of those people. I would definitely, like, who cares? You got two rings on. I don't care. But I don't think That's he needs a gold matters. jacket. That's all that matters. Ah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's cover all the Colts the rest of their, like, like I said, we, we, we're going to say what, what now. So if Rivers does decide to hang him up, then obviously they're going to be in the market for a new quarterback. Is that through the draft? Is that one of the, the many veterans who we feel like are going to be available in free agents or via trade this year? So uh, that's something to monitor. But they obviously have a great team. They've got, you know, the foundation, both sides of the, the O-line and the D-line are ready. The, Jonathan Taylor's a beast. Their middle linebacker is super talented and uh, Darius Leonard. I just think they're a really good team, and if they get the right fit at quarterback, they they can you know they they're built for a long playoff run. It just they ran into a buzzsaw in the Bills this week. So um, I felt like if they had another matchup this week, we'd probably be talking about them in a different light. But uh, they ran into Buffalo, and and here we are. So um, just moving forward, say we had to ask, answer right now, Dynasty Deer Hunter, right here, 2021. Which indie receiver would you rank highest going into the next season? Um. I think I would go with Pittman, honestly. I think he I think he flashed. I don't think he quite showed everything he had uh, to offer this year. 
but uh, you know he was highly touted, and when he was healthy, uh, he showed that he can be productive at this level already. So yeah, I think Michael Pittman he'd probably be the one to go with. What about you? Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah, well, I agree. I think you know Ty showed flashes, but you can't rely on him going into another uh, next season. So I think Pittman is going to be the alpha when uh, next season rolls around. I like that pick. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, our next matchup here. Uh, this one was a bit of a shocker the way it all came together. The Rams ended up beating the division rival Seahawks. They took them down 30-20. to 20, And uh, it was surprising, especially because John Wolford, you know, we talked about that Jared Goff wasn't probably going to be healthy enough to play with his thumb injury. And uh, Wolford, it seemed like he started the game and then almost right away was out. He uh, he tried to dive for yardage and was, I don't know if you want to call it a dive or sliding head first, and a defender crashed down into his head. It was pretty scary, actually. There was, you know, a shot of him leaving by ambulance, but uh, by the end of the game, he had returned from getting checked out at the hospital and, uh, and was celebrating with the team. Um... Yeah, what now for the Seahawks, though? There's lots of changes coming. They uh, they just let go of their offensive coordinator there, Brian Schottenheimer. And uh, Pete Carroll's come out and said he thinks the key to their success is to run the ball more, establish the run early. You know, they had a prolific offense for the first half of the season, and we talked about the change that we saw from guys like Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, and I, I do understand Carroll's stance a little bit, uh, you know, he talked about how as the season went on, defenses just came out and they knew all they had to do was take away the big plays and they could control the what Seattle was trying to do. And so, you know, they, in fairness to Schottenheimer, they tried to uh, pivot halfway through the season. But, uh, yeah, they just weren't really a good enough matchup for the, for the Rams' D. Um, another big, another big factor for sure was the empty stadium in Seattle. Like you, you can't take away the value of home field and especially a field like that. Um, you know, they call it the 12th man for a reason. And I've, I've had the privilege of being part of the 13th man in, uh, in Regina watching the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They are kind of the same thing. They actually designed their new stadium a little bit based off of Seattle's where it echoes the noise around. But, uh, yeah, that took away a big advantage. But to be honest, yeah, Mr. Unlimited was pretty limited down the stretch. That was the that was the turning point for me. You know, MVP talk for the first half of the season and uh, barely startable almost for the second half. Um, you know, they added, they added to their defense uh, throughout the season and uh, they gave up a huge haul for Jamal Adams. And I don't know, just it's kind of like the Steelers, like – almost ripened and went rotten on the vine a little bit hey yeah so it was a weird end of their season and especially like everything about the quarterback for the rams that whole situation confused me because you know if Goff is good enough to play how i don't understand how you think walford's or walford's a better opportunity anyways good on Goff for coming in he kind of had his like his moment right where he comes in hurt and beats a division rival and and uh yeah, I mean, the Rams' D is obviously the key to their success moving forward, so they get a tough matchup with Green Bay this week. It's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully Aaron Donald is healthy. Um, you know, we talked about it in the preview last week. I said, you know, Donald really hasn't had that game-wrecking game where he t- takes over, and, and it kind of felt like he was in this one versus Seattle until he got hurt. I think he had two sacks and a bunch of disrupted plays already, so uh, I hope 99's out there and fully ready to go because I want to see that matchup with him and Aaron Rodgers all day. 
that's going to um, watch for sure. Yeah. Our next game was actually uh, it was a lot more fun than I gave it credit for going into the week, man. Like uh, the Buccaneers, obviously they won, they got the job done. It was a thirty-one twenty-three win over the Washington Football Team. But Tyler Heineke or Heineke, man, he made it a fun matchup. He just laid it all out there. It was like, you know, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to put my head down and do everything I can. This guy was a former XFL backup, like not even starter, backup. And he comes in and he hangs with the GOAT for almost, you know, four quarters. And that defense is in Tampa's the real deal. So it's uh, kudos to Washington football team on a great year one more time. You know, we talked about Riverboat and the struggles he had this year and Alex Smith and coming back from the injury. It's It was a nice story, but – um, it's all over here and, and they, they're looking towards the future here. And, you know, what now for the football team? I think they're in a good shape, man. I think, you know, they got, um, the right coach. Um, they got a, a legitimate running back. I believe in Antonio Gibson. I love Terry McLaurin. Um, their tight ends name has escaped me right now, but he seems to be a great fit for them. Oh, uh, you Thomas, know, don't you? Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the defensive line on that team is scary good and very young. So if they can get the right quarterback next year, I, I, I you know, we've talked about how Alex Smith is supposed to be back, but I think it's going to be, you know, potentially they get a, one in the draft and then he's a mentor that, you know, passes the torch midway through the year. But uh, I think the future is bright for Washington. Well, and that's an interesting thing um, because, you know, you have – Heineke, who very limited playing time, but, uh, you know, put up a big performance. And you saw Chase Young, um, well, all of them basically celebrating, but saying this is my guy and pointing to the back of his jersey, like, remember this name. I don't know if we will remember this name, right? It's, uh, they've got him. They've got, I don't think really the answer, but Kyle Allen is still there as well. The guy that Rivera brought over with him um, when he came from Carolina. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, Alex Smith, who knows what's going to happen with him. Um, it was nice. I don't know if you happened to see, uh, you know, he and Brady had words and, and Brady kind of laid out, I think, what everybody, what every football fan is thinking. You know, you're an inspiration. We're all so proud of you, like, just blown away. Um, so that's good. But, yeah, I don't know. And, uh as far as potentially available quarterbacks, you know, not in the draft, but from from another team right now, uh, the one guy that just popped into my mind and uh, and seemed like might be a good fit is what about Matt Stafford coming in with that big arm and so, you know a couple of hard hard running receiving options. I love it. I, that's the exact guy my gut was saying, too. I mean, Matt St- I just have a soft spot for him, so I kind of go to him as my first thought. But I would love to see him and Riverboat go on a run. You know, people talk about Stafford being a bust. And, you know, first overall pick, he really hasn't done it. And he's got no – I don't think he has a playoff win in his career. So, um, you know, with this defense, it, he could he could quiet a lot of mouths and a lot of critics if he went to the right team if he does leave Detroit. So that would be a great fit in my eyes. Absolutely. All right, this next one was a big one. Everyone was looking forward to it, and, uh, you know, it came out kind of just how you said. The Ravens ended up uh, coming back against the Titans and beat them 20-10. to 10. And when we were breaking this game down, you said it's going to come down to whoever whoever rushes better, Lamar Jackson or Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, I think he rushed 18 times for 40 yards, and Lamar Jackson also had 40 yards on that one rushing touchdown that he burned the whole team 
I think he even ran through the bench so that a few more guys could miss tackles. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, you know what? It, like, all jokes aside, it was impressive. Uh, the Ravens did what they had to do, and, and Jackson quieted the critics and got his first playoff win, and they're on to the next round. Uh, looking at the Titans, though, like, Tannehill, he's shown himself all year long again to be a good option at quarterback. Uh, Henry, back-to-back rushing titles, can't be too upset with that. A.J. Brown, just, I am so happy that I, you know, in a way I'm not happy, but I'm, I'm mildly happy that I wasn't uh, destined to be a, uh, a cornerback or a safety in the NFL because that's scary, him coming down at you and just, he, you know, he's like the Derrick Henry of receivers just tossing you around. But, uh, you know, how long can they keep it up like this? How long, you know, when they win the game, Henry touches the ball 30 times. When they lose the game, he touches it 25 times. Uh, How long can he shoulder that kind of workload? How long can the offense, you know, make up for a struggling secondary? Um, These are questions they've got to ask themselves, and there might be some pieces on the move here trying to restructure. Uh, One thing, there were a few few, uh, curious choices this weekend you know you mentioned the Steelers choice to punt on a fourth and one we didn't even mention uh, Frank Reich's choice to go for it on fourth and goal instead of kicking the field goal in the Indy Buffalo game but uh, yeah same thing here with Mike Vrabel he decided to punt it on a on a fourth and two and gave the ball back um <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly hope that these two face each other in playoffs next year. I know they won't meet in the regular season, but uh, I'm sure you saw the the Ravens finish the game uh, or, or kind of stamp their victory by stomping all over the Titans logo as a, as a defensive unit. And uh, it's going to be exciting if these two get on the field. So quick question for you. If you had to pick right now, build your team around A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf? Wow. I mean, these guys were teammates in university. Um, I love both these guys. I just, I think something about AJ Brown. I don't know if it's because he's the only receiver there. I mean, Corey Davis is a free agent in, in Tennessee next year. So they're going to, they may not have him back. Yeah. And, you know, DK sharing it with Lockett, but I just, I think the more complete receivers, AJ Brown, and I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. I think they're going to be studs for years and dynasty. You can build around these guys and, you know, redraft you can count on big years from right away so they're they're both going to be studs for a long time how about you who would you pick i think i would probably go with aj brown um you know he showed himself reliably uh to be a top option when he's healthy and on the field and you know we saw dk go off so many times and there was you know there was a point this year where you want to talk about dynasty fantasy leagues i heard analysts talking about dk metcalf as potentially the number one pick if you were starting a fresh dynasty league um going for a top wide receiver he might be that perfect combination of just freakish athletic ability and so young but the thing that scares me is you know what we just talked about a couple matchups ago where the seahawks we saw what happens when they get away from uh when they get away from their deep passing game we saw what happens when they try to focus on the run first and that's exactly what they're talking about doing so um you know that would give me a little bit of pause um and that might be enough i think to push aj brown ahead of him in the in the ranks or something like that either way you're happy with one of these studs for for a long long time oh yeah 
Um, our next matchup is, uh, the, you know, we, we talked about this already. The Bears got slimed by the Saints this week. They lost 21-9. to And uh, you know what? The Bears, I don't know what the future holds for them. It sounds like they're going to bring back Nagy. It sounds like they're going to bring back their GM. It doesn't sound like Trubisky's going to be back. And the big question for me is Allen Robinson. This guy's the best skill position player on their team, in my opinion. And he is a free agent, potentially a franchise tag candidate. But uh, he's looking for his first big deal and maybe the only big deal of his career, so he's not going to be happy if he gets that tag. But I think that's the biggest decision to make for, for Chicago this offseason other than quarterback is what they do with number 12. And, uh, you know, the D isn't getting any younger. It's Mac doesn't seem like he was right down the stretch. And, uh, like, the last eight weeks, he really had, didn't have any quarterback pressures. Rokon being out this week was devastating. And I don't know if you saw that Mims. I don't even know if I can oh. call it a drop because he didn't get his hands <laughs> on it. It might have been one of the worst I've ever seen. But, uh yeah, you know what? Real quick, I don't want to spend too much time on the Bears. We got lots of off season to talk about them. But if, if you could build a, a a fantasy team around your running back, which one would you take? These are probably second round picks uh, next year: Montgomery or Antonio Gibson. Oh man! Well, you know, as we as we talked about, I did just make a big uh, a big trade to acquire as one of the two pieces uh, David Montgomery and. Let's. He wasn't the main piece in that deal, and uh, you know they both have a tough situation. They're both super talented. Um, Montgomery obviously came in and was a little more disappointing in his rookie season. He got it together, but it's hard to tell, you know, how much of that was due to just him coming back healthy. How much was that was due to the Bears' schedule down the run here? How much of that was due to um, you know the absence of Tariq Cohen? Um, this is one of those things where it's easy to forget that early in the season, uh, Tariq Cohen, who was the main ca- pass catcher out of the backfield for Chicago, um, tore his ACL and was done for the year. And we have no idea what the situation is going to be coming into next year, but it was early enough that you've got to expect him to be healthy. On the other side, we saw with Gibson, you know, when he was gone, there was a guy there in McKissick that was ready to shoulder the load. And even when Gibson was there, McKissick was was uh, situated in such a way that he could take that receiving work out of the backfield or line up as a receiver. Both of these teams may have new quarterbacks. The Bears may have a new coaching staff and a new offensive philosophy. Uh, so basically I just talked for three minutes to stall while I thought of my answer, but, uh, (laughs) I, I think I would go with Montgomery, um, because of the pedigree, because of the, because even though he didn't live up to the expectations in his rookie year, he showed that he can be a three down back this season. Um, yeah, I, I would probably go with Monty. I concur. Good. <laughs> as I, as we say, let's be quick. I'm just, you know, and, and when they were in third grade, he lost three teeth and Gibson yeah, exactly. only lost two. But Gibson got a dollar per tooth, so he ended up ahead. Anyways, oh my, yeah, nice. I have to talk about this one. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, let's just, you know what? Browns just cover it and we'll move on quick. Cause yeah, Browns beat the Steelers. Who, already, I'd say run, I say run it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm let's get you. a running game. That's what they need to do establish that you need you got to get back to Steeler football run the ball stop the run let's get back to what we are known for yeah somebody call willie parker see what he's up to see if he's still quick um but uh you know what if if we talked about juju we talked about you know maybe he's a bad guy now maybe he's out of here maybe he comes back on a discount but if 
he's gone. Who do you like? Who do you think is the number one receiver? Deontay or Claypool? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it depends on if Ben's back as well. But I think, you know, Deontay's a possession receiver. Claypool's the big play guy. So it depends how you build your, your roster. I tep- typically lean towards the possession receiver. So I'll go with Deontay. Yeah, I don't even think it matters if Ben's back. Uh, he showed when Ben wasn't in that he could still be that guy. Um, you know, he had his little his little period of uh, drop skis. But, I, yeah, you know. And maybe I'm biased because I also just traded to get that guy on my team. So, uh, yeah, yay me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, um, <clears throat> that's that's all in the past. What do you say we talk about what's coming up here? Let's look ahead. Uh, we got divisional round. Al, my prediction is that whoever puts the most points on the scoreboard will probably win tonight's football game. <laughs> Playoffs, and uh, let's take a look at these matchups. So this first one, this is a big one. You mentioned it. We, I am so excited to see this defense and this offense butt heads. L.A. Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers. This game's got a 46-point over-under, and uh, right now the Packers are seven-point favorites. So, you know, giving Aaron Rodgers and company their due. Uh, Jared Goff, as you mentioned, was forced back into action last week. Uh, that hit to Wolford was scary. I'm glad to hear that he's, uh, you know, his brains didn't just leak out of his ears after um and Goff was efficient you know it's it's surprising that he was so good coming in it's surprising that he wouldn't have just been the starter um when he wasn't healthy enough to to go he came in and played admirably he scored a passing touchdown and protected the ball and uh the Rams D did what they had to do they got a they got a score on a turnover um, the only thing that was concerning to me was they gave up two receiving touchdowns to Metcalf, so that that kind of worries me about what Devontae Adams might do about them. Um, on offense, Cooper Cup is dealing with a knee issue, uh, bursitis or something like that, so nothing too serious but painful, obviously, and he's hopeful to play. Um, but yeah, this is the NFL's number one offense and the NFL's number one defense. It's that's going to be an interesting matchup. And on the other side, do you think that uh, do you think that the Rams offensively, you know, they've got that creative coach? Can they get enough going to keep up with uh, this Packers offense? I think it's it's going to come down to Cam Akers in the run game. For me, it's like they got to keep Rodgers off the field. So if Cam Akers can sustain drives and they can run the ball, then they have a chance. But if they don't, it's going to be a blowout. Um, because Aaron Rodgers is just on fire right now. Um, yeah, I, I, that's, I think that's for me, that's the key to the whole game is the, the, the susceptible run D of Green Bay versus that offensive, whatever you want to call it, in, in Los Angeles with Akers and, and the run game there. It's, that's a massive matchup for me. Yeah, absolutely. It, for me, it comes down to Akers. And then, uh, like you mentioned, if Aaron Donald is, is healthy and can disrupt and force the ball out quick and not uh, not let Green Bay you know, do the things that they want to do. Can't wait to watch Adams versus Ramsey, though. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I also cannot wait to watch this game. I mean, these are two teams I typically cheer against, but they're playing great football at the right time of year, and this one is going to be really, really tight. we got the Baltimore Ravens going into Buffalo to play the Bills. we got fifty-four or 50-point over-under. Bills are favored by two and a half points. It's going to be a – this one's going to be a slobber knocker as well. I don't know if you want to look that up for <laughs> whatever, but this one is going to be a battle where – they're knocking into each other so hard that slobber's coming out. I think that's what it's supposed to mean. But, uh, yeah, man, the Bills are coming off a tough win against Indy. They held off Phil- Phillip Rivers. They held off the Colts' run game. They held off the refs. 
they narrowly won their wildcard matchup, but they got that playoff victory. Josh Allen got the the you know that that off his shoulder, off his back, and now he can just relax and and, and go on a run here. I think Buffalo is the best team left in the NFL. Um, but they are in tough this week because the Ravens are playing their best football at the right time. We just talked about how they beat the Titans and, and Lamar's looking like Lamar. Hollywood Brown is starting to be the receiver they drafted him to be. Dobbins has scored in seven straight games. Man, this matchup is so many juicy one-on-ones. Um, you know, the Bills are going to be a little shorthanded at running back with Zach Moss not being there, but I don't think, you know, the running is, is – what they do that's not how they're going to win this game it's going to be josh allen making plays when plays break down you know very much like a young big ben when something breaks down allen's able to keep it alive and he's got that big arm and he can throw it downfield to Diggs or, or gabriel davis whoever so yeah man i'm really really this is more i'm more most excited about this game this weekend saturday night and uh it's just gonna you know i can't wait to see how the bills try to contain lamar i can't wait to see how the, the ravens try to contain josh allen there's this one's going to be a lot of fun man i just I don't know. Do you have a gut feeling about this one? Do you think that the, the, the Bills D can contain Lamar and what he's doing recently? Well, I think they better if they want to have any chance of moving on, um, moving on the next round. I I honestly am leaning a little bit towards the Bills just because of the way their uh, just because of the way their offense has been rolling. Um, you know, last weekend was big for both of these young quarterbacks. Both of them had criticisms and questions about how they handled themselves in in big important situations and both of them uh you know delivered in spades but uh yeah it's it's going to be interesting and really that's the matchup that i care to see is what can lamar jackson do and what can josh allen do and i think you know whoever uh whoever is able to put together the kind of game they want to have is probably going to have a better chance of leading their team to victory so I, i i'm leaning bills personally it's it's gonna be a fun one. Uh, the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Oh my god, I can't even say it. I got like lockjaw or just reading it. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are still playing football. <sighs> and they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh boy. All right, professionalism. Um. I don't know. It's it's hard to I it's hard to really take much away from what happened in that Browns Steelers game. Like they they capitalized on mistakes and their defense made big plays for sure. Offensively, they definitely had some explosive uh, plays when they needed them. But you know they got up to such a big lead so quick. They were so dominant. The first quarter was just ridiculous. Like I think I texted to my one leagues group chat. They asked how I was feeling after the first quarter, and I said, if I was playing Madden online and these things had happened, like I had, you know, thrown a pick, fumbled the opening snap for a touch, like I would have just, I would have just quit the game and then messaged the guy and said, oh, sorry, I lost my internet connection. Like it's over. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not playing. Like I'm not, you know, if if Tomlin could have reached out and hit the reset button, I'm sure he would have pretty quick. But uh, after they got out to that big lead. You know, they played more conservatively. They played like they played a prevent defense for three quarters of the game. It's hard to know really what would have happened if that was more of a back and forth game, but it doesn't matter. They won. I, I'm not uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't have done so, but it, it's hard to see much of a road to victory against the Chiefs. The Chiefs 
you know, last year's Super Bowl champs, dominant team this season in the NFL. Um, and the Browns are the Browns. I don't know, man. Do you see any way? <laughs> Can we say that way? anymore? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're the Browns. Maybe maybe this is April Fool's. Like, this <laughs> exactly. Is, is this the longest con in the history of pranks? Yeah, it's a bizarre world. <laughs> but what do you think, man? Is uh, you know, is the Cleveland D line gonna like? That's basically their only hope that I can see is is for their defensive front to just disrupt the Chiefs. You know, their running attack to put the pressure on Mahomes. And, uh, and not give him time to get the ball down the field and also somehow cover Tyreek Hill and also somehow cover Travis Kelsey and also, you know, can they do it? Well, I mean, it's the NFL. It's this year. Anything can happen. I think, you know, for them to win, they're going to have to run with Hunt and Chubb. And same, I keep saying the same thing, but you got to keep Mahomes off the field. And, you know, if they can control the clock with their run game, which is built to do just that exactly that, then – then they have a chance, but I don't think their D is going to be able to hang with, you know, Andy Reid coming off a bye is puts up gaudy numbers. Mahomes, the crew, everybody's healthy. Like, yeah, this is what uh, they've been looking forward to. The Chiefs have been looking forward to this mat, this game since they won the Super Bowl, right? Like, they're ready to defend this title, and uh, I think they come out and show why they're the champs. But the Browns are playing with house money now, so you know it's hard to say. They just come out, put their head down. Hopefully, the ball bounces their way again, and if they can run the ball, then they have a chance. But I don't think they do. But I also didn't think they could beat the Steelers, so what do I know? Yeah, they're just the same bunch of blank gray faces we see every season, and they're going to get clapped this week anyway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They're going to – One gonna more time. We're going to see – this on the bulletin board. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly – well, that's what happened, right? They were the, – the Titans obviously listened to us, and they were doing our – Rudy of the week when they stamped the the or the Ravens listening when they stamped the Titans logo, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you kind of t- hinted at our next matchup, the last matchup of the week. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints playing on the History Channel. Drew Brees versus Tom Brady one more time. Uh, it's a fifty-one and a half point over/under in this game, so we're expecting lots of points. The Saints are a three-point favorite because they've won uh, both matchups thus far this year. Um, Tom Brady has never in his life lost to the same team three times in a season, so he's hoping to continue that. Uh, this is going to be a fun game, man. I think uh, you know Tampa Bay's coming off a closer than they expected win over Washington, and uh, but they're on a mission. They're built for this exactly, and they you know they're the, the the end line is in sight. You know what I mean? The the Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay this year. No team home team has ever made the Super Bowl when it's in their home stadium, and it's right there. They're they're built for this, but this division matchup is kind of crushed them all year and it's it's a bad matchup for him and i don't know how this one's going to play out but uh i think it's going to be a good game i think uh you know it could be potentially the last time we see one of these quarterbacks when there's already talks of drew Brees retiring after the season and he's got a tv deal lined up and and if he gets his trophy i could see it for sure and if if brady gets number seven does he come back or does he go out on top it's uh yeah i don't know how to really gauge this one i think that um yeah, I, my gut says the Bucks, and I, I don't have a real good reason for it. I just think that uh, it's so hard to beat a team three times in a row that, that, that the Bucks are going to find a way to win this one. Yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, beyond everything else, beyond the playoff, beyond the trip to the Super Bowl, or not to the Super Bowl, but to the conference championship. Um, it's it's a personal thing. You know, they, they lost their opening week game in disappointing fashion. They got embarrassed on prime time in their second meeting you know they've got bad blood 
this is a division rival that that has uh, you know owned them this season. And uh, like you said, Brady, he's not going to stand for that. Bruce Arians isn't going to stand for that. The the players that have been around that defense, they're not going to stand for that. I think they're going to come after and. You know, the Saints have been a really up and down and all over the place story this year, really, right? With the way they started, you know, so red hot. Uh, we had Breeze go out. We had Michael Thomas in and out. We had, you know, problems with Camaro when Taysom Hill was in there. We had Breeze come back but not quite look like Breeze. And then Thomas went on IR. And we don't really know exactly what we're going to get. The one thing that's been consistent for them all year is this this uh, defense. But you know, we mentioned it last week. Um, the thing with Brady that makes him so effective and so good is he's so he's just so good at knowing what you're trying to do to him defensively. He's so good at anticipating where the pressure or where the blitz or where the you know the trade off coverage is going to come from, and just kind of reactionary right I used to always look at Brady and when Peyton Manning and Brady when they were the big two I used to always look at the two of them and Manning reminded me more of like this football computer who just he saw a scenario and in his mind he had like a Rolodex going until it stopped on the perfect play for that situation and Brady always just kind of reminded me I don't even know what he reminded me of just like a wild card like he saw what was happening and he just pieced things together and shouted out some orders and all of a sudden made something happen and uh, you know it's a tough battle I think if I honestly feel like if the Bucks get through this one that they've got a pretty they're going to be on a mission and they're going to get there they're going to go to the go to the Super Bowl this year and uh, yeah I think they do it I don't think the Saints are going to get them three times it's so. I mean, it. They if they do, and then we we anticipate Green Bay getting through the Rams, then it'll be a rematch of a regular season game between the Bucks and the Packers, and the Bucks handled Green Bay like they were one of the few teams that handled the Packers there. So, I don't want to get too far down the road ahead of ourselves here. Let's just enjoy Breeze versus Brady one more time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I think the Bucks do it. I don't know. It's gonna be. I feel like there's just gonna be a weird play that is the difference. I think both quarterbacks are gonna play great. And there's going to be some weird special teams blocked kick, just some random score that is the difference in this one. But, uh, yeah, man, we're lined up for an exciting weekend of football. Absolutely, man. And you know what? The most exciting part of all this is we got through this show. I was ready to call it quits. I thought <laughs> 24 episodes, that's good. Steelers are done. What do I care? But uh, you know what? We've, we've pulled ourselves out of disappointment when both of our teams got knocked out of the playoffs. We've pulled ourselves out of disappointment when our favorite team got knocked out of the NFL playoffs. And we're rolling 25 episodes deep, almost 700 listens. It's exciting, man. It is. And, I'm, again, we're having lots of fun with it. And, uh, you know, Tyler and co. keep reaching out to us with the ideas. We love it. And we're going to talk about all the offseason news that's happening and and uh, obviously the news that happens after this weekend and previewing the, 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 the next matchups. But, uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I felt the same way, buddy. Out there after the Steelers lost, I was like, I'm never going to watch football again. Like, that was so, <laughs> such a disappointing loss. Like, it was just not that. It was like, I felt like that parent, right? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh. It was just such a gut wrenching way to lose. Waited all weekend. Right from the first snap. But, anyways, we're. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, we're going to continue to do the podcast throughout the whole off season. We love having you guys on and listening to us. And we'd love to have some guests, too. Like, we talk about that. If anybody wants to join us for a segment or, or talk some football with us, you're more than welcome. Just reach out and uh, let's do it. But and in the meantime, guys, and you know, get some snacks. The, the province is on lockdown, so load up before Thursday and enjoy the Falcon football. <laughs>